Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass. Or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than a hundred televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for. And they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it. And I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want, every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. No worries, huddle with me, Bram. No markers today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound and video, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, the former Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, where he earned endless Marriott Rewards points. The current host of Locked on Heat and Locked on NBA podcast, the author of The West Side, and the man I was with when the COVID pandemic first started, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? So many great things that you have in my intro now. I feel like you just keep adding stuff to it. But I think my favorite still is like the Marriott shout out <laughs> endlessly. Like it's. Such a good running joke. I want you to know that right here, so I, whenever I have my notes in front of me, right, I got this little section, intro up front, and then when I want something to be triggered, I indent it. Like, maybe we can get him to say, here, know that I have right here, shout out Marriott. So look, <laughs> dude, we're already one for one. Things are going really well. Wes, how are you, man? We haven't talked to you for a minute. I'm good. I actually stayed at a new Marriott property recently, Moxie. Really enjoyed it. Shout out Moxie <laughs> in uh, the West Village in New York City. So, uh Yeah. Let me make a note here to include that in your next intro. Wes, we really need you today, man. We're debuting a new segment, one that I've basically wrote for you, okay? But before we get there, before we give you any more compliments, let's go to our glass half full. Uh, Wes, you may remember this segment. It's where we look back on Warriors basketball, give us something we like or don't like. I'll go first because it's just person out of You know what I like? Clay heaters. I just like watching any warrior go for 40. So, you know, it doesn't matter the name of them. 
but there's something specific about clay games that I really like. There's something weird and like zany about them. They feel like uh, inside the park home runs. You know, like it's it's something that's <laughs> there's a portion of it that is familiar, and I know what a home run looks like. But there's something else that's just crazier and more exciting and, and more engaging, and that's Clay going for 40 uh, post injury. And the idea that he's doing this after two what career threatening injuries just makes it even better. So there's something I like. I'll give you another thing I like. And Wes, I feel like you may be able to associate with me on this. This is a weird thing. I like two first names. You know, like uh, Chris Paul. Perfect example. I like when people have two first names. I ran into the one I think that may be the best ever. The uh, Thunder have a guy named Isaiah Joe who plays for them. I think that's the best two first name player I've ever run into. So that's what I like. Way to go, Mr. Joe. Uh, what are you what are you What's your feeling on the two last names, though? Because you've got uh, Walker Kessler on the Utah Jazz, and I don't even know if I put those in the right order. It might be Kessler Walker. I don't remember ever. I know, so I don't know why this is true. Two last names always confuse me. I mean, yes. like literally, like Isaiah Joe makes me smile. Walker Kessler makes me confused. I don't know why that's true. It's it's an illustration of my intelligence, I guess, but it's just a weird thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, in terms of glass half full, I, I think the Clay Thompson stuff is, is a great place to start. Um, first of all, you love when he has a great game because the quotes after are always phenomenal. And and it does it feels uh, inside the park home run I, I can't do better than that that's such a perfect it it feels like that now but for me I just I, I can't help but when it when when that happens I really feel like it's kind of like old Warriors like twenty not even like dynasty like, like twenty fifteen like even twenty fourteen like Warriors like like back in the day you know and and because yep. Steph is gonna do Steph stuff like that's not new that Steph doing Steph stuff feels like twenty twenty feels like twenty fifteen feels like twenty twenty three it doesn't matter. But when Clay's doing it, obviously missed the two years, and then you go back, and and so that's just it. There's nothing more fun. I don't. I think I, I don't think there's anything more fun in basketball than when Clay is going off. And when what what do you have like 27 in the first half against the Thunder a couple nights ago? Like yeah, exactly what he had. It, yep. Yeah, that, just it just wild, crazy. Yeah. I thought of you, although this is old, this is a couple of weeks back, but Clay had another great game and they were interviewing afterwards and Bob Fitzgerald and Kalen asked him something and Clay started answering it. And then there's a pause and he goes, you know what? I blanked out. I have no idea what we're talking about. And I thought of you because I feel like you've given us stories like that before. How many times have you spoken with Clay where you got the sense that he's completely forgotten about whatever the hell the pending issue is and it's just talking? Uh, I thought actually that was going to be like, I thought of you because you do that all the time when you come on the show is you start mid answer. <laughs> <and then you, laughs> but uh, no, I, that's the thing about clay. Every time it feels like every time. And then sometimes it's really impressive because he'll kind of loop back around to what it is you've started talking about. And I think that's like an extra layer of intelligence that I don't have. Like clay Thompson yeah. does not get confused by Kessler Walker, Kessler jr. <laughs> like he doesn't get confused by that. He's just got like an extra level of intelligence. But then sometimes that loop, that, that return back to the start of the question never happens. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, you're doing, you're doing that thing where you're just talking because you forgot what the question initially was. So, yeah. Go you know how badly I want to get to that portion of my life where I've said enough entertaining things where people, I don't have to make sense. I don't even have to stay on topic. I just have to venture into like a segment of a sentence and then everyone's happy even if it doesn't go to answer anybody. Right. Uh, Maxime, I want to hear you, but I'm going to give you one thing I don't like. And so Wes, a little bit of background. 
apparently, the Oklahoma City Thunder have two players with the same name, uh, Jalen Williams. And I know that because Bob Fitzgerald called it out like 4,000 times last night, and they went to two different colleges in Santa Clara and Arkansas, I think. Yeah, and he kept calling And he put it out like, like, I don't know, dude. It's like 25 times. And yeah. he, he was like entertained by it. By the 10th time, I was just fucking annoyed. I don't give a shit where these guys go to college. I don't care that they have the same name. I remember going to a baseball game with a friend. This is like a decade ago. And a cat got loose on the field. And for like 30 seconds, they're chasing it around, you know, and my friend's having the time of his life. For some reason, he just loves that this fucking cat can't be caught. And if, I don't know, dude, for like 30 seconds, it had my attention. By right. the eighth time, my friend pointed out like, oh, they just can't catch it. I didn't care. I was annoyed. That's Casual. how I felt yeah. with the the Jalen Williams stuff. I don't give a shit where they went, Bob. You can stop telling me that. All right, Maxime, what do you got, man? Something you like or don't? Uh, I like garbage time. I feel like it's been so long since we saw a Warriors game going to gar like legitimate garbage time where where we got to see James Wiseman. I don't know if you guys remember James Wiseman, but turns out he can still suit up for the Warriors on occasion when we're up by enough. Um, that feels, it felt really good because it was, I was thinking like, a tale of two cities, you know, it felt like watching that game. It was the best of times and the worst of times because this is hap All of this is happening because Steph Curry is injured. And it's like amazing that we're eight minutes into the show and we haven't really talked about it since this actually happened. Obviously that's a glass half empty. We can get into it in more detail, but in some ways, given that the all-star break is coming up shortly, you know, the rosiest outlook has Steph only missing five games uh, which would be absolutely incredible given how serious this really could be um, just because we get this all-star break. That also means that we get opportunities for Clay to go on a heater and throw up nine in the first half, nine three-pointers in the first half. It also gives Jordan Poole an opportunity to be a little bit more of a facilitator. I think he had his career high in assists. It gives us opportunities then for James Wiseman to come into the game and provide some things that, again, I know I've been hearing quotes about how, like, well, Jermichael Green is still in the lineup more than James Wiseman because they just trust his veteran presence more, and there's uh, nothing that you could do to anger the veteran or the stars more than put Wiseman ahead of somebody that's actually going to, you know, not be able to pull their weight. But it's it's all of these things that get to happen at once in a single game. And so that's all encapsulated to bring it back Clay Thompson style in garbage time. I love garbage time. That was for you, Wes. You see him flash that ability apparently you don't have. It seemed like he was going nowhere and then ran it right back to where he started. So there we are. Um, I, I've got so many questions that are bursting out of me that I want to ask you. So okay. I'll give one last thing I like and then we're out. Um, by way of stupid example, I'm a little older than you gentlemen. I've got a lot of friends in my life who have kids. And because of that, there'll be times where I haven't seen someone's son or daughter for, I don't know, a year or something that I see them and they've jumped way up. They're like way taller or they're way smaller. Something's happened in their development that shocks me. I feel like that's happening for JK right now. Um, Kaminga's development over the last, I'd say month, maybe even less has been palpable. And it's not just what he's doing with the ball. It's his understanding of the system. This guy has heard what the coaches have asked him uh, or what they need from him, and he's delivering exactly what we've asked for, and his future is bright as shit. But I digress. Let's get to this new segment, all right? So, Wes, this thing is called From the Outside Looking In. I'm calling it a new segment, but it's not really. Really, it's our Golden Questions, a segment that you and I did a full show on, right? And so... Golden questions normally, we just get random uh, mailbag questions. I don't do anything to pick a theme or anything like that. We just pull them in and answer them. Today, what I've done is I've taken these really big, large, arching questions, ones that look at the Warriors in general, 
And I've been saving them for you because we need someone who knows the team but isn't held back from the optimism, from our loyalty to this team. Now, quick disclaimer, almost a warning. Maxime, you and I need to remember this. Wes occasionally is negative for the Warriors. You know, it might not happen today. Who knows? But every now and again, he'll drop a negative take. So if you're listening and Wes is being negative, know that Maxime and I both fucking hate Wes when he does it. (laughs) We're sharing our frustration with you. There's nothing we can do. All right. But here is my first question for you, Wes. Quote, after last night, can we all agree that Clay is, and then in all caps, Clay again? So what do you think, man? Is Clay back to where he was before the injury? No, he's not. Right out of the gates, baby. Oh, Negative. Sheesh. Boom. <laughs> That's why I gave that disclaimer for a reason. Why not? What, what's missing? Uh, he's not. Um, and I think the highs are still there. And if Clay went off for 60 points in 20 seconds again tomorrow, it would not shock me. But the lows are way lower than what they used to be. And uh, when Clay Thompson is not, when those threes are not falling, I don't feel his presence on the court the same way as I used to. Um, the post-up game that was really kind of starting to come along in 2019, like even in the finals, I thought I saw a lot of that that two-point stuff. That's not really there at the same degree anymore. He's really just a, uh, attack closeout kind of guy, pump fake, put the ball on the ground for two dribbles, get to the basket. That's really the, the or or you know coming off of the screen and it just happens to be 18 feet instead of 24 feet out. That's really the diet for his two pointers. There's not much creativity uh, within the within the arc there. And then defensively, it's just not the same. Defensively, and look, I, I, the Warriors know this, and that's why they one of the big reasons that they acquired Andrew Wiggins. And one of the things I tried to talk about a lot when they did get Wiggins was. As good as we think Wiggins could be offensively, defensively, he needs to be even better because Clay Thompson, we can't trust him to guard the ball anymore coming off of the, the two injuries. Wiggins is doing that now at a, and doing a great job at it, but Clay Thompson just defensively isn't where he used to be. So while the three-pointers are there and that's never going to leave, and I was telling everybody and everybody that knew Clay Thompson was saying, hey, Clay Thompson's going to be a good shooter until the day he dies. Like, it's just going to happen. But in terms of the, the variety of his game, it's just not there. And and because of that, when that shot isn't going in, um, I just don't think he has as great of an impact as as he used to. Maxine, when you hear that, what emotions are evoked? So, like right now, I'd like to punch Wes in the face, but I can't. I, he could probably beat me in a fight, anyways. Also, we're removed digitally, you know. So there's just there's limitations. You're healthier than I. You hear that? What's your first thought? I, I mean, a little bit sad and defeated because I know he's not wrong. I mean, you can see it. You can see it on the court, you know. Um, it's it's also, it reminds me, I think one of the the telltale signs. I want to punch you now. Great. Yeah. Well, we're a lot closer <laughs> together, so I got to keep that in mind as we actually see each other physically from time to time um, in the same room. So uh, noted. <laughs> but I, I do, one of the things that concerns me since Clay has come back, is some of his shot selection. It feels like he's still trying to force the issue a little bit too much. And maybe that's because he doesn't have the defensive impact to pull it off. So he needs to find it on the offensive end. And it was like, it was almost frustrating last night. I wanted him to go for his record. And there was a moment, I think he had 11 threes already. Uh, and he passed up a shot. I was like, no, like this is the opportunity, man. We're up 20. Like, go for it. Don't be. And now you're trying to like play the correct style of basketball. You're driving me crazy, man. So it's, it's just, it's ultimately a little bit of sadness because I know that Wes is right. You could tell that Clay wanted the record too. In between talking about Jalen Williams, Bob Fitzgerald kept talking about the record. Um, so the, what I'll seize on here, the the most optimistic I can be is I'm going to seize on the word impact. 
All right. So is Clay Thompson the same player? No, he's not. Um, I mean, that's the linear passage of time and it's two major fucking injuries, you know? So is he the exact same guy? No. Do I think he is capable of impacting the game the same way offensively as he did before? I do. And I think we saw a little piece of that last night. There's changes. I mean, what Wes said isn't wrong, you know, and he is forcing it occasionally, but when push comes to shove, do I trust him to have the same kind of impact on the offensive side? I do, which leads the defensive side. So again, I'm going to hedge optimistically. Can he have the same impact defensively? No, no, he can't. You know, even I can't say that he's moving laterally the same way or impacting at the same thing. But the reason I'm optimistic, they don't need him to. You know, Wes already pointed out that's why they brought in Wiggins. And it's also why JK's development is so damn important. You know, if he, if Kaminga and Wiggins can handle the defensive assignments that Clay used to handle, then I think Clay is still in a position to contribute to a championship team, you know, and, and certainly the same way offensively, but but not defensively. And he's not, it is what it is. I should point out, he's not a bad defender. Like that, that, right? Like he's team, team defense. He knows where he's supposed to be. He can guard and he's, he's strong enough that he could guard like forwards and kind of, and when he gets switched onto guys in the paint, he can hold his own. He's not a bad defender, right? Like he's not just a three point specialist anymore. He's just not what he was, which was arguably the the best two guard in the league. And certainly the best two, uh, two way two guard in the league. That's exactly right. And and the way Wes phrases that is really important. What we are really saying is, you know, how high he was. I mean, when, yeah. when we are talking about his impact now, we are comparing it to, as Wes just put it, the best two-way guard in the league. Is he still the best two-way guard in the league? Maybe not, but that's not, you know, that's not saying he's not incredibly valuable. That's just saying that maybe he's taken a little bit of a step back. Of course, at the same time, defense wins championships, right? And what we're talking about now is not being a great regular season team. We're still trying to be in the hunt for the fifth ring um, for this squad. And that has me a little bit concerned because, you know, is is he the type of person that is actually going to be helpful in those closing, closing lineups when we really need him to be? And that's where, you know, you hope that Kaminga, this is not just what he's showing on the court, but it's the way he's talking about it off the court. He's really taking um, the mantle of knowing that that's where he needs to perform on the defensive end. And that's that's really encouraging, right? And maybe that's where Clay is in the locker room saying, hey, you know, like one of the reasons um, that I'm so beloved, he's probably not putting in those terms, but, um, you know, Jonathan Kaminga understands the reason that Clay is so beloved is not just because he's the greatest um, um, two-yard shooter of all time, but also because he puts so much priority on being a defensive player. This is a clay follow-up, but it's a follow-up to what we were talking about earlier that he has the occasional brain fart while you're talking to him, Wes. So that's me, right? If I've asked him a question and he's not answering it, you know, he's going all the way around. I'm just going to nod and smile, you know, like, oh, yeah. great. I'm just going to be happy. I'm a pleaser. That's who I am. I, I can see other people getting to the end of it and then asking the question again, you know, because he didn't get any, any answer or anything. So for you in those circumstances, you've put something to him in a media scrum. Right. He's answering, you know, you've asked for X. He's giving you Y. Do you do you rehash it or do you just let it roll? For the most part, you let it roll because whatever my question X was probably not as interesting as what he said Y because we're sports <laughs> media. Like, what are we really asking him about that? Of any, oh, what changed last night for you? Did you think you had a good game? Like, what? We're not really asking anything all that interesting in media scrums in general. So whatever he says is probably more interesting than what we asked in the first place. Would you mind using that vocal inflection for the rest of the show? <laughs> like whatever it is. Yeah, that was really good. That was, I mean, that, that's, that's how most screamed. people in sports media talk, at least. <laughs> <In> <laughs> my experience. Experience. 
Um, let's get to the title of the show. All right. So here's another question. It's one that's become a favorite amongst Warrior fans, at least over the last couple of weeks. Quote, with Kyrie Irving fucking over the Nets, do you think that Golden State should try to rescue KD from the wreckage of Brooklyn? So just generally speaking, before we get to specifics, Wes, do you think the Warriors should consider trading for Durant? And let me add as just a, a note for your consideration, it can include Wiggins. The way that the, the deal would work, because he just signed it, they can't trade Wiggins until April. So if this trade is going to, if they want to do it, what that really means is they're going to have to consider including what I'll call a, a soulless offer. It's going to have to include Draymond or Clay or somebody of that ilk to make the money work. So with that in mind, should they try it? I think Joe Lacob would try it. Uh, if it were seriously on the table and something that he thought could actually be done. I don't know that. I don't think that anybody would either would, would stand in his way either. I don't think Kevin Durant would ever come back to Golden State. Uh, that is, I mean, as much crap as he got for going to Golden State in the first place. Could you imagine if he went to Brooklyn and it just completely <laughs> flamed out and then he just went back to Golden State with his tail between his legs and maybe Warriors fans would be like, well, you know, maybe we're not coming off of a championship or, you know, maybe we have a play-in year because Steph got hurt this year or whatever. It doesn't matter. You still went back to where it all went well and you went back. It's like it's like moving back home after college and staying there for five years. Like, it just doesn't – it's not a good look. And, and so it's just never going to happen. So I don't even know why we're talking about it. When you, you forgot a step, it's like right after college and you go to your parents, you're like, I can't live here anymore. This place sucks. It's not about me. You're not letting me live. I just want to hoop. I need to live my life. Then you go and get a crazy as shit roommate and find yourself back in Golden State. Um, I can tell you, I don't know, I got some follow-ups for you, but I can tell you this topic illustrates what a whore I am. So like rewind the clock, dude, like a month. And I'm making fun of Durant. I'm all the way out. I'm hell of angry at him. I might not give him a standing ovation when he comes back. I'm just all the way out. Now that like the Warriors desperately need a playmaker and Steph's hurt and he's available, I'm all the way in. Bring him back, dude. Like I don't. I mean, the trades, those names I just included, not so much. But conceptually, you know, they've got my interest, which leads to this follow-up. Lagob calls you. He tells you, know, Wes, man, we miss you. You've been gone for too long. I can't get Myers on the phone. I'm not sure what the hell is up. Should, should I look into this? What do you tell him? No. How about you, Maxine? No, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't want to take Wes's advice. He wanted him to say yes. So he calls you. Wes is telling me, no, I'm not sure. What do you tell him? This, that was like the most convincing. No, ever. the fact that was just the silence after <laughs> the no, I'm now like, really well, I actually, yeah. if I say yes, that's yeah. just categorically wrong. I don't know how his, to his facial expression this. too. I mean, Wes said that as calmly as like a godfather. No, there was, there was no space for any disagreement. It, was it would a, be another, it'd be, it'd be no. kind of the same way for the warriors is like, yeah, we really, we, we won one championship. We really couldn't figure it out without you. Like, just don't like, just don't do it. it. It's, this is not, this would not be the same as LeBron going back to Cleveland. It wouldn't be the same. Right. <laughs> I hear you, but isn't it also important sometimes to admit your mistakes? You know, this is an opportunity for Kevin Durant to come back in his first press conference be like, listen, I've learned a lot. You know, Kyrie's bad shit. 
That was the wrong move. Screw that guy. We're going to go beat Dallas in the Western Conference Finals anyways. And like, these are my boys. I originally wanted to hoop. Now I'm back. You know, I had to have my like midlife basketball career, midlife crisis, and now I'm back and it's all good. Like, as we all know, this is the best place. You see the pictures of him and Steph hanging out at whatever, you know, New York fancy party. Like, they're clearly still boys. It's okay. Like, this is about learning to forgive and forget and move forward in life. Well, and from the Warriors perspective, we didn't break up with him. We we didn't, we, we no, the Golden State didn't say, hey, this isn't working. You know, let's find out what else we can do. We wanted him back and he left. You know, if if Kylie, my daughter, moves out and then five years, you know, down the line, she decides the best time of her life is living with her parents, open arms, dude. She can come back, you know, in, in a heartbeat. It's not my mistake that we're underlining. But wow. the thing that that makes it hard for me. If this was Wiggins, love Wiggins. Love Wiggins. He's established himself as the fabric of this title team. But we don't have a soul connection with him. If we could trade Wiggins, you've got my attention. you know. But if the money has to come from either Draymond or Clay, there's real fuck you selling your soul angle to that. you know. Not, one night, I think like the Patriots, I think they would do in a heartbeat. I don't yep. know if the Warriors would, and, and I don't think I would. You know, I, I just, I don't know what you to shouldn't. do with that. Graham, you shouldn't. That would suck. All right. Sometimes, like, what's on paper <laughs> that makes sense? It's like, yeah, you know, Draymond's kind of the contract, and blah, blah, blah. we could trade him and for the set. Yeah. Yeah. Like, X's and O's, like in an Excel spreadsheet, that makes a lot of sense, but it would suck. And you know what? We've already done the Kevin Durant and Golden State story. I have no interest in rehashing that as, as somebody who covers yeah. the NBA. I don't think even, I don't think Warriors fans really want Kevin, like at least like we've been there, done that, like build something new. Like it would be more fun to just sort of watch this Kaminga thing happen, right? Because he would have to obviously be involved in that trade. Kaminga will never be as good as Kevin Durant. It doesn't really, no. that, that's not the point. Like just do, let's do something new. This is a great new story. And you'd like to see at least Steph and Draymond and Clay do this as long as they possibly can together. I know that's a whole other topic that's not part of our conversation right now, but uh, that's just, that's just not what sports is. That would just suck from just from a story angle, from an emotional angle. And it's not worth it. Maxine, play out the string with me. All right. Cause I messed around with the S-Man's trade machine. We don't have to pull it up, but I can tell you, here's, here's what I threw in it. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just trying to make the numbers work. Right. Here's a soulless trade. One, the Warriors bring back Kevin Durant. They give up Draymond Green, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, and a first-round pick in 2023, and a pick swap in 2024. Would you do it? Jesus Christ, that's everything. I mean, and Brooklyn wouldn't do it. <laughs> you don't think so? Brooklyn wouldn't do it. For that. No. What are they getting in that trade? They're getting Jonathan Kaminga. And and I mean, and Wiseman, who's incredible, and two first-round picks, and Draymond. You, you do the sales Draymond pitch. Might you do the sales pitch. <laughs> Draymond might leave. the The sales pitch would be: we're starting you guys over. You know, you've got two first with Draymond Green, a superstar, and James Wiseman. You got a super. You've got you got money off the books, two first round picks because Draymond won't re up with them. You know, off he goes. You got Kaminga. You've got a you know you're starting over. You're no longer in the hole of the superstar. You you can um, yeah you they can, get a hundred better restart. offers than that for Durant. They yeah, get better offers than that from like Major League Baseball. They would get. Wes, this offers. isn't the Nets huddle. Who gives a fuck if Brooklyn says yes? I'm talking about fucking the Warriors. You know, right. and, 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 and like, you're asking Maxime, and then I totally went in there. So go ahead. Which no, I sorry. appreciated. I actually liked it. I would have preferred it if you'd done it in your NBA media voice. But I'll I'll take any uh, <laughs> any answers you have. I think I I said. I mean to to play it out. I, Maxime, your answer to that is no. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, and uh, the other trade, I'd say no to this one as well. This one's even more fucking soulless. 
Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga, and then a first rounder in 2023, a pick swap in 2024, and a first rounder in 2025. Uh, and I, I just can't know. I, I will say no to that. Um, and just as a general proposition, in fact, here, let me, let me ask it this way, Wes. This is supposed to be my last question. Let me put it in here. So after last night, this is a quote from the question itself. Um, in fact, here, I'll just rephrase it. Uh, about a week ago, Kerr was asked, do you still view this as a championship roster? Said, yeah, of course I do. Ron Adams said the same thing. Since then, Steph got hurt. He's out, you know, for as little as five games, as Maxime said, probably at least through the All-Star break. I love your opinion on basketball, and I, I value your opinion on the Warriors. When you look at them right now, Steph is hurt. You know this roster. You know where they're at. Do you view them as title contenders? Uh, I do this thing like once a month on uh, Locked on NBA or call it the BCS rankings for the NBA Bowl uh, or uh, basketball championship series. And uh, what I do is I, I it was like, for example, like at the start of the year when everybody was like loving the Utah Jazz because they were good and they were like the third seed in the West or something after 10 games. Everybody's like, whoa, what is this team? There you go. Boom. Media voice. Uh, I, I was like. I don't know. They're not championship contenders. So why are they like every power rankings I read on a Monday morning? They've got like the jazz at like six. And I was like, why are they at six? Just because of their record. That's stupid. They should be at 26 or something like they're not that they're not going to be this good for this long. And on the flip side of that, when the Warriors were like five games below 500 or whatever, like whatever their lowest point was, I was like, I'm not like this team is still in my BCS rankings, right? Like they would always be in the top eight or nine somewhere. And I, and the only reason I said that is because this team has a realistic chance to win the title. The Jazz don't, not to keep crapping on the Jazz and Kessler, Walker, Walker, Kessler, but it, it was <laughs> who? Kessler, Walker, Walker, Kessler. And it, uh, I was like, this is a title team, right? I still have the Phoenix Suns in my BCS rankings. Like, I just, I think the talent is there and the experience and just the, the, all of it, everything you need to win a championship is there. The question is, whether or not all that stuff is going to come together, whether or not this team is going to be healthy at the right time like they were last year, uh, all these things. That nobody knows, right? But if the question is, can this win, Can this team win a championship? The answer is, uncategorical. it's yes. Like, this team can win a championship. A lot has to go right. A lot had to go right last year, too, and it ended up going right. So at the risk of pulling a clay and pulling this back to our previous question, it's that reason. I agree with you. And it's that reason why I wouldn't go after Durant. And like, if we're looking at this roster and we see that they have Steph and you know that he's a, a championship caliber player, but they don't have a shot at a championship. Well, then fuck, man, you got to you got to look at every possibility and all the possible trades. But I agree with you. I think that this team, as currently constructed, even with his injury, is is capable if, if not title favorites they're certainly title contenders and for as long as that's true you don't sell your soul in a trade like that you know you you don't have to so why push it in that direction here was going to be my my second follow-up quote has golden state handled the wiseman situation correctly so you and I have talked about the two title windows and and you've been critical of it in the past yeah. focus only on the james wiseman thing from the outside looking in, how are you viewing that? I mean, just just give us your opinions, man. Uh, I'm going to give you two answers. You asked me a yes or no question. I'm going to answer in both ways. I'm going to say no and then yes. All right? So that's my answer. Okay. Um, did they handle the Wiseman situation correctly? I'll say no because they shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. And that has nothing to do with James Wiseman as a basketball player or his talent or his personality or anything like that. This is a guy who played three games in college 
barely played in high school, was not ready for the NBA, and that's fine if you want to draft for upside. But yep. this is this is what happens when you're a, a a veteran team and you can't you don't you you can't facilitate somebody that needs that much time to get better. You can look at James Wiseman on the court right now, and what's he played like sixty games in his NBA career because of injuries and stuff like that. I don't blame him for not being good right now. I, yeah. I don't blame him for thinking everything through on the court and not being instinctual and having no basketball feel. I don't blame him for that. I blame, I, but I, I also don't think that the Warriors need to give him that time. And that's where my answer is yes, too. Like, what time do they have to afford? The regular season matters right now. It's not like this team is sitting here at 30 and 10 and just has games to throw away. They don't have that. They have to win every game that they can. And so I don't think that they should have drafted Wiseman in the first place because they were never the organization to get him to grow. And center, by the way, is a position that is very hard to learn in the NBA and you need yep. reps. You need reps. Like Nick Claxton went through four years of being bad and now he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Like that's not like that. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of reps. And the Warriors never had the reps to give to Wiseman. And we knew that and I knew that. And that's why I was writing, don't draft this guy. It has nothing to do with his upside. You just were never going to be the team to develop him. And so I and and by the way, I think they're handling it the right way right now. There's no reason for them to play him. There's no, he's not good enough and you have to win games right now. You're trying to win a championship. Now, the third part of that is trade him, just trade him. Sunk cost fallacy. Admit you are wrong. Trade him for whatever you can get. Just that that's a, not whatever you can get. Trade him for any kind of rotation player who can help you more right now, because it's not just not working out now, but it's, it's never going to work out for James Wiseman in golden state. So do him a favor and get him to a team that can give him the reps. Kawakami tweeted out today, I think, since he blocked us like just aggressively within our first year of being on Twitter, but other people have told me, Kawakami tweeted today, and I'm going to fuck up the numbers, but that if they cut or traded Wiseman, let's say traded, that they would save upwards of $100 million in both salary tax implications and actual salary. Yeah, um, depending on what they get so, back. But he's owed $10 million next year because of his contract, and, and so you're also paying a lot of money that's multiplied, to Tim's point, by the luxury tax bill. If you can move Wiseman for somebody who's either expiring or still under a contract that's at least similar to next year, like everybody wants to bunch them together and be like, go do all this and then go get like, you know, a month ago it was Miles Turner or maybe now it's OG and Enemy or whatever. That's going to add a lot of money onto their books. I don't know that they can afford to do that, right? But if you're already yeah. on the books to pay James Wiseman $10 million next year, if you can move him for somebody who could play minutes for you that's making the same or less money, that's just better business. Especially if they're making an impact, um, a, a series of non sequiturs. Non sequitur one. I am right now. I'm about two in uh, four episodes into the Shack documentary on HBO, which, by the way, is phenomenal. Uh, check it out. There's I, a Shack I'm documentary it way more than on I HBO. I didn't even know that. that and it, is, it okay. is it is great. And it starts with uh, just as an aside saying this is a true story, but it's a true story told by Shaq. So you should probably know that a lot of this is bullshit, which made me like really enjoy it. But one of the things they underline, because I don't know anything about Shaq coming up, is that Shaq was fairly shitty his first couple of years in high school. Didn't make the team um, and had even problems immediately developing in college when he first made the roster. And what it really underlined is what you just said. Big men take time. And we're talking about one of the big men, one of the best big men of all time. Uh, non sequitur number two, weird vibe with Wiseman right now, man. Really, uh, they let him play not significant, but real minutes against Dallas when everybody was hurt. And there were three or four times 
when Wiseman was wide open, when he had locked down a much smaller defender, where the Warriors just off-looked him. I mean, they just, they literally didn't get him the ball. I don't think they dislike him. I don't think there's something there where they're trying to screw him over, but it was weird. It didn't make sense to me, which goes back to the first question. Do I think the Warriors have handled this well? I think if you ask the Warriors, they would tell you no. I don't, so I don't know what their plan was up front. When the season started, when they all sat down and said, all right, here's what we're going to do, right? Here's how we'll develop people. Here's where we'll be halfway through the season. Here's our title hopes. But I'm sure that whenever they came up with those plans, when they, when they looked at this point of the season, they weren't supposed to be just two games above 500 without having not developed fucking anything from Wiseman at all and Moody being on the sidelines. You know, this, this can't have been the plan when they first drafted him. So I, I don't think they've handled this well. I don't know what the other solution was. Perhaps that's what you said, man. You know, the, the second they drafted him, they put themselves in a situation that was a, a non-starter. But yeah, I, and that, that initial I injury... That, in, that initial injury his rookie year was a big deal. And I, I, I just think I don't know when was the right time to punt on James Wiseman. I know now yeah. you got to do it now. Uh, and like you said, like he doesn't seem happy. It, sometimes a trade isn't a bad thing for a player. A change of scenery could do him a lot of good. I think James Wiseman could be a very good basketball player. I don't think he'll ever be a very good basketball player for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I don't think it's fair to him or to anybody else. Not yeah. at this stage, man. You know, he's, he's just taking shit from everyone. And if he's half as sensitive as I am, his confidence must be going hardcore in the wrong direction. Maxine, what do you think, man? They've, have they done the right or wrong thing with Wiseman so far? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that was said. So I'll just sort of expand upon it a little bit, right? I remember talking about it. I think it was with KP, but all of the conversation around the 2020 draft, uh, you know, there were sort of two schools of thought. I mean, KP uh, was saying draft LaMelo, but um, that was a whole different um, conversation. A lot of people were saying draft Tyrese Halliburton, right? Because I was he was, saying, right, he was I, I wrote it. I wrote it. Was, uh, yeah. So when I met a lot of people, I met you, Wes, you know, I was, uh, um, <laughs> my bad there. Wow. Uh, um, but in any case, uh, Wes was saying that we should draft Tyrese But here we are. We didn't do that. Um, but, you know, now I, it, it, I guess because you can say 2020 hindsight, but we didn't have the hindsight at the time. We just had people like Wes saying that. Right. So that's one thing. But I think the thing that's also tricky because you look at Jonathan Kaminga coming in the next year who plays a different position, but was also lauded as a hyper athlete, you know, this is like a very special athletic figure that is doing different things from Wiseman, but you could sort of extrapolate out to the same sort of concept of young, um, potential, the highest upside ever. And so one of them panned out and the other one didn't. When you actually look at the details, I mean, it just makes way more sense that somebody in Kaminga's position, literal position would have the ability to yep. succeed over somebody like Wiseman. And so that's where I feel like well, we made the right move with Kaminga. We made the right move conceptually with Wiseman, but the actual human person that was going to be stepping into that into that spot was going to be asked to play a very difficult position in the NBA. The five spot, you know, like the, the reason that Draymond can jump into that as a small five is because he's a friggin' genius. Asking somebody to learn a motion offense like the Warriors have, rotate the way that they do, run back and forth and hit on both ends, that's very tricky. And so having somebody like a young mercenary like Kaminga roll in and just be an amazing athlete that works because then he can hang off to the side you know you can sort of hide him as he's learning on the defensive end um you can hide him on the offensive end because we have three shooters out to space out the floor it makes perfect sense but with Wiseman it just didn't who's the third shooter pool 
Oh, okay. I didn't know we we're okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> What's that uh, mean? <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I think in in the aggregate too, you could you can look at what it is that the Warriors did. They had two top like seven picks, right? Yeah, and then with those two picks, they took Wiseman and Kaminga. Kaminga looks like he's going to be a good player. Wiseman does not look like he's going to be a good player. That's a good hit rate. That's 50-50. That's it. Like that, so if you're going to make an argument for t- taking like the high risk, because I, like I said, I wrote draft Halliburton because he was sort of like the high floor guy that can just walk in right away. Elite basketball feel, perfect for everything the Warriors want to do. The Warriors are like, we don't care about that. We want high-end athleticism. We're going to go gangbusters here. We're going to go for it. We're going to take the home run swing here. Same thing when they drafted Kaminga. I was like, I kept saying, don't draft Kaminga. So maybe I was going to be wrong there. I also said draft Franz Wagner and imagine what, what would have happened if that were the case. But they took two big swings. They struck out on one. And it looks like they've at least hit a base hit, at least with, with the other, with Kaminga. And that's kind of what you're looking for. You can look at the 76ers, like the process 76ers. They got Joel Embiid out of a bunch of draft picks. But in those, they got Markel Fultz, Nolan's Noel, like Ben Simmons, like a bunch of guys who ended up not being with the team or really working out. And that's just generally the hit rate. So that's the other thing that I just caution Warriors fans. Like in the aggregate, you did pretty well if Kaminga ends up panning out. How's your arm, man? Because patting yourself on the back like that for a good five minutes can't be easy. I mean, I imagine like the flexibility. Well, I've been working. I've been working there. out a lot lately, so I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I, I can tell. I can absolutely tell. Uh, I'll put a bow on this. The thing that makes it hard, and going back to the praise I gave to Kaminga and the whole development thing, the reason he's developed is playing time. That's why young players get better with playing time. Wiseman hasn't been afforded that for very good reason. You know, like I understand what's going on, but that's what's made this thing hard. I, I agree with you even further, Wes. I don't think his future is here, and I think his future is still fucking bright. I think there's going to be a circumstance where we're going to see James Wiseman in five or six years in a different jersey, and we're all going to be pissy that he's yeah. not here. I think he will figure it out, and it'll it'll still be the right move. You know, they they gotta yeah. they they need to succeed now, but. There, there could be a bright future, even if it's not in Golden State. All right, here's a question. I have no idea how you're going to answer, but I'm very anxious to hear it. Quote, what is Golden State's record right now if Draymond Green had not punched Jordan Poole in the face? What is their record right now? Uh, so they are 20, I think they're two games over 500. 28, yeah, 26. Um, yeah. How uh, many like, games like, over 500? Like, so you don't have to worry about the math. Oh, good, because I'm really bad at math. Uh I don't know. I think they're maybe two or three wins better. I don't I don't think it's anything huge. I think we would have just they got out to a slow start too, you know? And so I think that's probably where you would have saw it. Um, but I don't know that this like like are we also going back in time and Steph isn't hurt? Like all that you know what I mean? Like that to me was been more than anything has been the health. But yeah, like early in the year when it was like awkward and clunky, yeah, maybe you come away with two or three more wins. That would be about it. Do you agree, Maxim? Is it a is it a two to three game swing? It yeah. And on it, this is gonna this is gonna sound like a hot take, but I'm really not kidding. It might be a two or three game swing in the other way. I, I why that was I love that take. I'm jealous <laughs> of that one. Actually, that's really good. That was a venting of some. It's energy. a hot take. We'll see. Well, I mean, we love it now. I'm gonna ask you again after he explains it, Wes. All right, because we'll see. We'll see where he lands on this. You you give us an update. I love it already. Once we get the background, yeah. Go ahead, Maxine. Why do you say that? Uh, I I can't remember who said it. It might honestly, it might have been my wife. She's like Jordan Poole seems like kind of an annoying person to be in a business with 
right? Like to just spend every day going into the office and just like being around this like young dude that's kind of, right? These are like, at this point, Draymond is a family man. Steph is a family man, right? These are people that are coming from very different contexts in their world. Draymond didn't just like have a aneurysm and then go punch somebody. That was clearly building up from something. I understand part of it was probably having to do with monetary stuff and, you know, these big contracts and Jordan Poole got his and Draymond didn't and whatnot. But like, you know, there was a there there, you know, before he got punched. Uh, and and you still see it now in the in the way that the body like Steph is a whole on a whole nother level with his ability to be a leader. And he's talked about it recently on a podcast with Bob Myers that he learned that he needed to step up and sort of lead the team in the aftermath of the Monte Ellis trade. And he's really taken that mantle and you can see him putting in an effort with Jordan Poole. But that requires effort. Right. And and though I don't think that Draymond should have punched Poole, I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually going to like we would be having more problems. We would have been having Draymond on the bench in the middle of the season, calling Jordan Poole a bitch. Right. And causing trade requests or whatever to happen had that um, venting not occurred before the season started. That's a really good so take this- and a very healthy way to think about things, because like a therapist will say, don't bottle it up, you know, just. Don't let a pebble turn just into a stone. In what is that like? Yeah. I don't think that's what therapists. I don't think you've ever been in therapy. I, I have not. I have gone through therapy, and no one's ever said, "You know what you need to do? Punch that motherfucker. Punch him immediately, and that will get you feel it. Everything get it out, out, out of the way. <laughs> Super healthy. I mean, I I will. Here's the part I agree with you, uh, Maxime. If I had to handpick a player in the NBA who I think could get you to punch him in the face with his words alone, Jordan pulls in like my top three. You know, like I, I do, I, I can see him like being able to engender anger. Now, can I see how you've weaponized it? Why pool getting punched helped the Warriors win more games? No, that part I'm still a little bit lost on. It and would I'm have not been totally way worse totally if it sure happened mid-season. To Maxim's point, like it would have been way worse. <laughs> so I actually think you're right, Max. Like that is a great take. Wow, that's a great take. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. even have to pat um, myself on the back. That was amazing. Good for you. Oh yes. Even after Wes complimented you, you took a shot at him. That that's my favorite take of the day. That's that's really well played. Uh, really to to finish this out, I I don't think they would be in a worse position had Jordan not been punched in his face. I also don't think it would be a giant difference. I think we're talking between three and five games. Um, I, there's been a lot of people. Uh, let me put it this way, and I'm stealing this take in some ways. But Draymond has come out and said that defensive accountability has been really hard. That one of his jobs is to make sure if somebody's not in their position, he's the guy who comes and tells them. He's the defensive coordinator. And after the punch, he kind of lost that ability for a little while. You know, it was hard keeping people accountable. And so, you know, three to five games, yeah. But their, their current, the fact that they've hovered around 500 all year, I don't think was the punch. I think that there's been issues that are a lot larger that we've talked about, uh, you know, already here, including Steph's injuries and and some of the young guys' inability to contribute. So I don't think it was just pulls punch. I can't believe he got you to say that that was a great take, Wes. I, I was sitting back thinking you were gonna like shit house it. No, you're just on board. Credit where it's due, man. Yeah, and to be clear, one one I love pool. I'm a fan. Two, if you got beef with anybody, violence is never the answer. Don't don't punch somebody. You know, like there are better ways to deal with your problems. I'm not advocating for any of this. Unless you want to help the Warriors to more wins, I feel like you are specifically <laughs> advocating. I feel like you are specifically advocating violence. I don't think there's that. I mean, this thing is recorded, so you know, just rewind 30 seconds and you'll hear Maxine's real opinion on violence. All right, here's our last question, and it's a fun one. Quote. 
After the game last night, Clay said he knew you would have a good game because of a kettleball omen or bell omen. Do you guys ever let inanimate objects tell you your future? So before we get to the question, let's play the clip. Well, I do every pregame when I'm doing my little warm-up. I flip a kettlebell to see if it lands upright, and tonight it did, so I knew it was going to be a good one. What's that? That's been, Chances that's are they been asked fun. him, you know, who you guys play next week, and then he gave him the kettlebell story, which is fucking fantastic. Um, <laughs> so this person is asking, do we ever do anything similar? You know, do you ever, ever look to outside omens to give you a sense of how your day is going? Let's turn it into judgment theater. Don't answer, boys. Let's, uh, let's guess. Start with me. Am I the type of personality? You know, let's say I got a court appearance or a podcast that I want to go well. Do I do something to give me a sense of whether or not it's going to go well? I'm going to say you don't, but I think that certain things in the morning can trigger you to think that your day is going to go poorly. So I don't think it ever is like, this thing happened, so this day is going to be awesome. But the other thing happens, and it probably happens quite often. Maxine? So insightful. The only thing I was thinking is as you picked up your right hand that has a pen in it, and I've seen you twirl your pen in a way that makes me realize like, you have some chops, you know, and that's the type of thing. Like when you get into that level of complexity, you know, when you're like working out, um, to make that kind of thing work, you might start to feel like, ah, this is, a uh, this is worth, um, you know, this is worth putting some, uh, what's it called? Some energy behind, you know, in the cosmic sense. Let me say as an aside, I hate that you two continue to agree with one another and continue to compliment each other. I don't know how I can get myself in between that, but I'd like it to stop. Um, both you guys are both right and wrong. All right. So do I ever have like a soothsaying moment? You know, will I, will I turn to my pen and be like, which way is it turning? You know, and, and then does that mean I'm doing well or wrong? No, I don't do anything like that. Although Wes, you're pseudo right. I'm looking for bad omens all the fucking time. Yeah. But I do. If, if I have, let's say there's a podcast and there's a guest we've never had on and I really want it to go well, I will analyze every decision I make before it happens, thinking that it's going to impact it. Where will I park my car? Which elevator do I take? Do I rush to make a, you know, the, a door that's open or do I let somebody else open it for me? Somewhere along the line, I have decided that each one of these stupid ass little decisions will impact what happens down yeah. the line. And so I'm constantly worried about making the call, but I'm never any, sure. About, did you do any of that before you had me on today? Uh, today, oh yeah, of course, dude. I was oh, really okay. no. I, was, I know ours are gonna go fine. <laughs> I'm not worried about you. It's much larger things. So you know, yes and no. You guys were kind of right. Uh, Can I also just point Maxine. one thing out really quick about Clay Thompson? That's such BS, by the way. A kettlebell doesn't <laughs> land upside down. That's like impossible. No, it's it's completely impossible. And That's basically, where you, his weird clay version. There was a quote the other like where uh, Kevin Durant was asked, like, "This, by the way, another dumb sports media question." Here's my voice, ready? So, so like, Kevin Durant had like an awesome game, scored 50 points or something like that. And then the 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 reporter came up to him after the game and he's like, "When did you know today was going to be a great game for you?" Like, that's such a dumb <laughs> question. And then Kevin Durant answered with the great answer. He was like, when I woke up this morning, he gave him a dumb answer to a dumb question, which is the only answer you can give to a dumb question. It's really hard to give a smart answer to a dumb question. But Clay Thompson one up that. I don't know what the question that was asked was, but he goes, I, I flipped a kettlebell up knowing that every time it's going to land upright. A kettlebell can't land and upside down. 
No, they're also like 50 fucking pounds. Wherever it landed, it fucked up that floor. Like I would imagine like on a on a game by game basis, the equipment manager keeps coming up and it's like, Clay, stop right. throwing the kettlebells. Yeah. Shout and out to Eric Housen. Like, oh. Eric Housen's like, why do you keep doing that? We have to replace the carpet every month. Yeah, there's holes. There's holes in the practice floor, Clay. Please stop. And he turns around and is like, good game tonight. Don't you worry about that. It's all coming together. Yeah. Which is like just quintessential Clay. Like, ah, no problem. Coming in there, he's throwing the hundred pounder next. Yeah, it just is what it is. Actually, I've heard that he likes to kick over the exercise bike. And if it lands on its side, he knows he's gonna have a good game. So, you know, I mean, whatever, dude. As long as gravity's working, lands on he is somebody. ready to run. Like it's a great yeah, yeah. like yes, like here he, on Eric Housen. It's like, oh, here we go, another great game. All right, we go to Maxime. Hard one for me. Hard one. I want to say that you're pragmatic. Um, that like you wouldn't you wouldn't lean into that kind of superstition, but also you are capable of giving me weird answers at any moment. Um I'm gonna say yes, just because I can't predict you. I don't think you do it all the time. But I, I, I can see if something happened, like if you were driving on your way to, a, uh, to an interview, and actually I got a story for you in a second that, that this just reminded me of. But if you're driving on your way to an interview and like you see like a crow landing somewhere, I can see you being like, oh shit, bad sign. This is not going well. So I'm going to say, yes, you will look for signs before big moments. I'm going to say, I'm going to, first of all, Bram knows Maxine much better than I do. Uh, but... I'm gonna say that Maxime has never even thought about this until tonight. That's that's how anti he is this concept. That's where I'm at. <laughs> all the way in. I thought you were gonna give a half answer with that beginning, but no, dude, you are all the way in. All right, Maxime, what's the answer? Turns out Wes knows me better. I was sitting here like, is this Son a thing a that <laughs> and I and I realized if if there's anything, I will retroactively um, do the opposite, right? If a crow lands, I'll be like, hey, that's cool. That's like probably a good sign. You know, I was thinking like I'm driving and like I like when I turn my turn signal on and uh, the car in front of me also has their turn signal on. Like we're going to turn left at a red light or something. And the like the way that the turn signals are like bouncing off of each other creates a really cool rhythm. That kind of stuff entertains me. So, you know, that might make me feel good about the event that I'm going into. But is that a supernatural thing? No, not really. Can you Fuck do you a guys, quick impression like right. of that rhythm? What's the Dude, I feel like I was right. He said some shit that nobody ever could have fucking predicted. That, that he's looking for turn signal song rhythms. I mean, I, so yes, Wes, it turns out you know him better, but not that much better. I feel <laughs> like not. I was kind of right there. Yeah. Um, I would like Wes's request, though. Maxim, can you recreate the turn signal rhythm? Or? Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, so this is called a hemiola, right? So, you know, there's oh. like a three against four. I don't know if you can hear oh, that. There it is. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's I like good. that. Yeah, yeah that is that a was, great rhythm. I'd be happy too if I heard right, that. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. It goes well. <laughs> I mean, he's not hearing shit. He's seeing the lights. He's not hearing anything. We're talking about turn signals here. No, I have but, uh, uh, I I give you, I'll give you this story, <laughs> and then we'll turn to Wes. Um, there was a period, so after law school, but before my first year, you want to get internships. You want to start working at different firms. And I had four or five different options, but there was one option that I cared the most about. This was the job I really wanted. And then the other ones, you know, you, you get them just in case. And I was on my way to one of these interviews and I was on my way to an interview that I didn't consider to be my top one. It was like two or three, you know, and I was early and all this whole nine yards. I'm walking through downtown San Francisco and the head of a pigeon falls to my feet. No shit. Just the head of a pigeon. I don't know what fucking decapitated this pigeon. I don't know how it happened, but a pigeon's head comes down and lands neck <laughs> up at my feet. 
All right. So I look down and decide that was this is Thompson trying to decide if he was going to have a good game that night. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was actually the rest of the body was under a kettlebell somewhere. Um, and the head had just fucking jumped up and landed on my feet. But I just, so I see this was head. It beak up? If it was beak up, then clay went off that night. It was the head is all, you know, like it was as if the, the ground was the, the body of the pigeon, the head had landed, you know, with the neck onto the ground. And I decided to myself, well, this means something like, I don't know what it means, but it means something. And I checked my address book and I was on my way to the wrong interview. I would have uh, that day actually was the interview for the big one that I really needed. I was going to the wrong one and that pigeon head helped me look into my schedule and recognize the mistake. So, you know, tangentially related, I guess. Uh, but enough beating around the bush. Let's go to Wes. Well, I got Maxine, an interview story too. Day. I've got an interview story too. Oh. Shoot. Uh, well, wait. No, you guys go first because it would be worse to give you the interview. No, yeah, you go first. No, because I can't give you the story because then it would give it away. No, so go ahead. This yeah, color is everything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, based on that, I'm going to say yes. 100%. But uh, Maxine, you and he are best friends today. Why don't you go first? <laughs> what else is there to say? I mean, you don't you don't have that precursor and then be like, actually, no, I was just going to an interview and then I realized, oh, I'm going to my interview and that's the end of the story, you know? <laughs> Phil was basically like, the answer is yes, but I can't tell you. I won't tell you yet. <laughs> Talk to me first, and then I'll give you the answer. <laughs> it sounds like we are both thinking, yes, what's the answer, and what's the story? Uh, there is no interview story. That was just to throw you off the sun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> phenomenally well tied. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I actually don't. I, I don't. I don't give any thought to any of this kind of stuff. I actually... I give so... I, I, give a, I give way less thought to things than people think I give thought to. That makes sense. Uh, and so, like, for here's my interview story. So uh, I had an internship when I went to uh, UCF, Go Knights, uh, and I was in downtown Orlando. I was working for the uh, – I was interning for the Orlando Business Journal, and my job there was just to go interview executives and just, like, ask them, like, questions like, what book are you reading? And Or, I'm sorry, what book are you reading? And, like, what's your favorite song? And, like, <laughs> stuff like that. So that's what my job was. And I always used to walk. And apparently I found out this was weird after the fact, but that's a different thing. Most people just called the executives on the phone and asked them these like 10 minute questions. I would walk to each of my interviews. So I went, I was walking and as I was crossing, and it was kind of like a big wig guy. And I was a little, I was actually a little nervous for this one. He was like the CEO of some big company in, in downtown Orlando. And as I'm walking through downtown Orlando, this guy walks by me and spits in my face. What? Oh, like just straight loogie right to the side of my left nostril. Jesus. I could still feel it. And like literally spit in my face. And I go, gross. And I keep walking. And I never think about it again until just right now. And, <laughs> oh, uh, and, and so that is how little. And most people would say, that's a bad omen for this interview. I didn't check my address book. I didn't make sure I was going to the right place. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just kept on walking. I was like, that was gross. And that was the rest of my day. So I give so little thought to anything and I probably should give more thought to more things. Was that guy like eight feet tall? Why didn't you chase him or woman, whoever it was? Why didn't you chase the person down who spit in your face? Would you ever interact with a person who spit in your face? No, you keep it moving, man. No way. That person is crazy. That person is that, that person. If you get into a fight, that guy is doing way more stuff than you're not going to do. Keep it moving. That's probably true. I mean, I, 
I don't know how I'd react if I got spit in the face. I mean, I've, I've spent my entire life avoiding physical contact, as you know, you know, so it's not like, I mean, that question made it seem like I'm anxious to go defend myself. I'm not, but I don't know. I feel like a spit in the face would at least catch this my guy attention. Was also, no, this, like, this wasn't like some scrub. Like this was a yoked guy and a wife beater yeah. walking down the street. I was like, okay. no chance, zero chance. In my memory, yes, he was eight <laughs> feet tall. There, that's see, there you go. It was actually Shaquille O'Neal before he got traded to the Lakers. So <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. Oh God, that that really bothers me. Next thing you ever been spit in the face? <laughs> no, but I I feel like Bram didn't. I thought that you got spit in the face in in France. I did, and and so, that caused you to hate a whole. Well, that's what they do in France, so, right? Oh my God, I would like both. to bomb oh, the entire country, and I and I didn't chase the person down, which answers my own question. Uh, well, you could have taken West, a French guy. Come on. At the real, well, I mean, you don't know. He was actually with Shaquille O'Neal. Came out there for a minute. We, uh, my wife and I, traveled together in college. This was sophomore year. The last place we went to was Paris. We stayed at a Best Western, which at the time was like the best fucking hotel. We had stayed at the entire trip. It was all well, hostels. And I mean, while we were uh, while we were out there, somebody <laughs> broke into our room and stole Erica's shit. They moved my stuff off of her bag to only steal hers, and inclusive of the shit they stole was her credit cards. So the next day we had to go all around, you know, dealing with the logistics and shit. And we were in a Parisian cab and uh, the we had our windows down. The cab driver almost hits a Parisian pedestrian. They have some back and forth. I can't understand it. It's just called pedestrians over there, by the way. Okay, well, no, don't you? This is my story. You settle down. I'll call them how I want to call them. And this Parisian pedestrian got so fucking upset that he spit at the cab driver. And the cab driver pulls his car forward as he spits, and it comes through my wife's window, hits me right in the face. And as we're sitting here talking, I can still smell the spit. It was Aww. like it was so nasty. But so to to go back to where I didn't get out of the car, I didn't chase that person down, I didn't even like angrily shake my fist. I did nothing. So I take back my question to you. You are right. I didn't. You know, there there was no conflict that came from that in any way. Unfortunately, enough. I'm glad we all have our Keith Hernandez stories to share. On this. It all happens. It all absolutely happens. Let's end it on a basketball note. Wes, who's in the finals? Oh, you didn't tell me about this one. Um, who is in the finals right now? Nobody in the future. Uh, Wait, hold on. Let me double check that. No, you're right. It is in fact not Jim. Yeah, you're right. There is, there is no. All right, I'm gonna go. Right uh, I'm gonna go Denver. I feel good about Denver out of the West and then out of the East. I really don't want to do it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go Milwaukee. I'll go Denver, Milwaukee, but don't hold me to it. Yeah, I don't feel um, good about it. I'll say Boston from the East. I don't want to say Denver. I'm going to say the Warriors. It's a Homer take. I'll still say the Warriors. Maxine, finish this off. What's the finals matchup? It's, I mean, it's, it's the Homer take too, but like, I still, you know, if we're saying that they're a championship, if they have championship pedigree right now, come on, you know, they're going to, the pieces are going to fall together. The kettlebell is going to land upright. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> one game at a time, one <laughs> kettlebell throw at a time. That's exactly right. Wes missed you, man. Um, love these episodes. Certainly yeah. love today for everybody who needs way more Goldberg in their life. Where do they go? Only fans, mostly there uh, these days. And then besides that, uh, Locked On NBA Friday mornings. I try to get some Warriors talking there as much as I can. Um, if the Warriors play any Thursday night, probably going to be talking about that for Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, and if you're interested in the Heat, Locked On Heat. And um, Twitter, WC Goldberg. Boom. 
for us. I'm sure you know where to reach us, but just in case you want to get us a question, want to let us know we did a good job, want to shoot us some critique, you can send that email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Ooh, Wes, you see that that text going towards the bottom scroll. of the screen there? That's how guys. fucking fancy we are. We're also on social media, but only one place. That one's Twitter. That's at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, the Warriors, hopefully, see you next week. Good, good.